Hi folks, this is Chris, your gracious host. This episode, Alex had a couple audio issues, so at a couple points his voice will be dropping out entirely. Please don't hold it against him. Ladies and gentlemen, this is an auspicious day. What a day! What a fabulous day! It is, in fact, a red letter day. Today marks the dawning of a new episode of Real Deal No Sex Appeal. A constant barrage of eye-opening conspiracies and ad-libbed innuendo. Featuring Parker. If at first you don't succeed, keep on sucking till you do succeed. <laughs> and Chris. On the streets, he's known as a jackass. Two premier content creators promoting the healthiest brand integrity in the world. Tell them what they've won, Spider. The way I see it, this should be a very dynamite show. Oi mate, welcome. My name is Ricky Gervais. I'm recording with me mates, Stephen Merchant and Carl Pilkington. We watched Austin Powers International Man of Mystery and Austin Powers A Spy Who Shagged Me in it. Governor, what are your thoughts on Austin Powers? Are you triggered? I'm not doing this. I hate that no. it's assumed that I'd be Carl. No, you are obviously <laughs> really Stephen hurtful. Merchant. You actually kind of look like Stephen Merchant. Man, I don't know oh. who those people are. Yeah, uh, They're British comedians. I, I figured that much, which means uh, I assume that they just dress up like women and do <laughs> funny voices. But Yeah, it's really funny, dude. Okay, so uh, Parker, do we have any news? Buddy, emergency podcast, the next 90 minutes, Fast and Furious 9 trailer. Y'all, one of the single greatest and dumbest things I've ever seen in my entire life. I thought I was in, and then I saw there was a magnet plane, and I was very in. Like, sometimes you watch a trailer, you're like, oh, I'm fucking in, and you're like, this is too stupid. And I flip-flopped about 17 times. It Correct. Is, my god. In that end, I wish the Han thing hadn't been spoiled, but also... I've never been more excited in my entire life for a movie. You know what my favorite thing about that entire trailer was? John Cena. Nary a Hobbs or a Shaw to be seen. Correct. So far. The nerve just be like, ah, oh, this is my long lost brother, John Cena. Go <laughs> absolutely fuck yourself. That was my attitude originally. And then like after like 45 minutes, I was like, hey, you know what? I can see it. That's fucking stupid. But also, can Fandango give me tickets now, please? <laughs> Over under on Ryan Reynolds quips three point five. Don't, don't do this to me. Don't take away. Oh, the he's in the other universe now. Uh, it's <laughs> Hobbs and Shaw did us a service. It just jumped on the bomb and the lasagna, and now Kevin Hart <laughs> and Ryan Reynolds have to be in those movies instead. You love. There will be no, no crossover. Take the over. Okay. Also, shout out to the funniest thing I saw, which was the first comment in all caps: "The dead speed." I laughed for a solid hour and a half. <laughs> <laughs> fucking love memes, you guys. And speaking Wait, of movies, Carrie, start Carrie with the Star Wars text too. crawl. <laughs> oh, there's so much Star Wars crawling this week. <laughs> oh yeah, we're gonna have to. Uh, we'll, we'll have a little something about Star Wars. Uh, I got some news. Uh, yet another Disney live-action remake. This time they're doing Lilo and Stitch. <clears throat> Buddy, did you see the other Disney news? Uh, that's what I was waiting for. No, which one was this? For the know. low, low cost of $75 million, they won the bidding war for a performance with the original cast of Hamilton. 
So go ahead oh. and just chalk that on the next year's Super Bowl bet. Oh, no. I will be good and goddamned if I see it under any other circumstances. So many people on my Facebook are going to be excited for that. We are going to hear so many Yas for Jellical Cats. <laughs> jellical Cats of Jellical Souls. <laughs> Alexander Hamilton, the cat of the railway car. <laughs> what do you think his Jellical name was? Is that like his slave name? <laughs> Uh, we heard real deal. Yeah. So <laughs> I was gonna do a thing about the Super Bowl trailers, but they all ended up being super fucking boring. So I just false. didn't bother. Objectively false. Are we not gonna talk about one. Top Gun Maverick? Oh, I was out getting. Uh, wait a minute. At that wait, point. I actually didn't see it. I don't think. I don't know if <laughs> yeah, I got that's... it. Well, I don't see how in the world you wouldn't have gotten that trailer. I mean, okay. we all missed things. Screens. Yeah. I had to make a treat run very early in the game. Yeah. I had to make a judgment call. We always, uh, at the Super Bowl party I go to, we always do a bet for uh, the first commercial. And if, you know, nobody gets the first one, then we just keep going until somebody wins. I I missed with a movie trailer by picking the wrong movie trailer two years ago, and I just won't do it again. And then the fucking fast one was first, and I was furious, but doubly furious, because nice. what I had written down was Michael Bloomberg. So I just had to watch <laughs> for a fucking Bloomberg ad for like an hour. <laughs> You truly hate to see it, but also I really that wanted to win. Damn that it. was a smart money choice. I, would have done I know, the same thing. I know. <laughs> but like everything else, like oh wow, Black Widow, Mulan, cool. Who could possibly? Oh yeah, I give forgot. Shit? It. I, I mean, that's the thing. Is as soon as I saw the Black Widow commercial, I went right back to my nachos. Like, as care. you do. Like Mulan looks better than the other remakes, but also like life it's is still short. a remake. I have. So many other Redbox movies to watch. I understand where you guys are coming from, but also, I actually shushed the people around me when that Top Gun trailer started. So, As you, yeah, you I mean, know. that's the correct response. I respect it. Like, no, 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 you're talking. There's more important <clears throat> things going on. So beautiful. God, this movie's gonna be so fucking good. <laughs> can't wait. I'm so excited. <laughs> are you taking a week off when that comes out? Uh, it, it's in play. Give a solid two or three watches in theaters. I respect it. Is Val Kilmer gonna be in it? We went over this at the party I was at, and I made people Google Val Kilmer in the Snowman, and then they just retracted that shit immediately. So, so the answer like, is maybe. Oh. <laughs> All right. Uh, do we have any jerks of the week? I do, unfortunately. Oh fuck! I can't believe you've done this. Okay, mine is Pete the cheat. <laughs> 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 Mayor Cheat, the rat, giving all the other candidates the spicy keychain. <laughs> spicy keychain. <laughs> the Iowa caucus. Well, yeah, I might as well do whoever invented the concept of Iowa. Parker, Canceled. who is your jerk of the week? Unfortunately, Chris, my jerk of the week is myself because I was supposed to have today off, and then I swapped shifts with someone who needed it, which means I didn't get to watch Feel the Day because I was saving it to watch. You know, no. not with her. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Due to several no. warnings. She that might, was a real, like, uh, all right, I've got the whole day off. She'll probably sleep in. I'll just watch on my laptop, and I'll have to explain why I'm watching cartoons of dead cats. Yeah. And then I got called in, but... It's okay. You, it's know, little, you live and learn. I'm sure Alex didn't watch anything he's been assigned. Correct. Yeah. Love to see it. Busy week for your boy. Uh-huh. Don't worry. It'll get done. Yeah, yeah. We'll get there eventually. But I had... <laughs> I had important things to do this week, such as uh, By attend attending a joint birthday party for two of my friends where we just played Halo 1 for six hours. Take me with you. 
Dude, the fucking pistol in that game. I just want, yeah, so want here's the thing. The pistol ruins that game. Press Correct. F to crack someone in the back of the skull. As someone who has had the Master Chief Collection since it came out, I now do not let it search for Halo 1 games because they are not fun. They are not fun in the slightest. We played like three rounds and went, oh, fuck, man. I wish we got a bunch of copies of Halo 2 instead. God bless Master Chief Collection. You can just toggle like, okay, I want Halo 2 and Halo 3 and Reach. And I want Team Slayer and Flag Types. And Shot is up top. Like and it's do not so let good. Drew Barrymore into the basement. Absolutely not. She doesn't understand. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, let me put it this way. So we had a we had an upstairs downstairs split for this party because oh we had enough God. people. But we I'm were feeling so many feelings right now. I'm, so, I'm just we, we were we were short an Xbox, or, or rather, we had enough Xboxes. I think we were short a copy of the game, so like we could only have twelve people playing at once. And by like. The hour four mark, our downstairs box just shut off and we played Sorry instead. <laughs> so that says a lot about Halo 1, Speaking in my opinion. Not good. Speaking of board games, uh, I recently discovered that Pictionary for the NES, they, they made a Pictionary game for the NES. I don't even know how it works. Uh, apparently it had the most intense title theme song I have ever heard on an NES game. I don't know how they fit all those sounds onto a sound chip for the, let alone the title theme, but the game itself. So if you want something that'll knock your socks off, Pictionary. Play the lawnmower, man. Uh, I already played that. That's surprisingly lame. <laughs> Listen, you communist son of a bitch. Uh, now I have a Keeping It Won't Goes Wrong. It's me because oh, I've been good. awake for I don't know how long. So it's literally Keeping oh, It Won't. nice. Yeah. Subversion. Uh, I'm not happy about it, but, you know, sometimes that's the best that you can do. Uh, I'm not going to follow that. Let's talk about what we watched recently. I watched Ernest Goes to Africa. <laughs> Just hearing it out loud brings me I'm, so much yeah. joy. I'm still, I'm still real proud of this one. I'm not gonna lie. I mean, it's really only good just for the poster, which again, considering buying for Parker, twenty-seven. Uh, no, thank you. Twenty-seven by forty. Yeah, I'm Parker, if you need to space. give him a fake address, I'll send you mine. I really want him to just fucking like put it on his door as the first thing his girlfriend sees when she comes home. Oh, Dude, the idea of like decorating a computer room with nothing but racist movie posters is like, like you, you know, it's not that anybody's a fan of you know Ernest goes to Africa. It's clearly there for a reason. Like, yeah, yeah. it's a choice. So uh, I've seen other uh, uh, Ernest movies. I think I mentioned I've seen um, Ernest goes to jail. Uh, it was kind of dark. Uh, I've seen Ernest scared stupid. That movie's not very good. And uh, Ernest saves Christmas. It's all right. It's kind of sweet, you know. Ernest drives a taxi in that movie. Um, I don't know how Ernest is able to hold down a, a job in any of these movies. Uh, the movie begins with him destroying a woman's Mustang. It, so it. thank you for crushing my nuts, movie. Just appreciate <laughs> it. Um, he's really attracted to this one woman who very clearly does not like him, but he keeps pursuing her anyway, so I have that going for this movie. Oh, this movie's canceled. Yeah, see, here's the thing about this movie, <laughs> is um, it's... I mean, you look at the poster, and you think, oh no, there's gonna be a lot of racism in this movie. And you watch it, and it's really not as bad as you expect. But, it's still really bad. <laughs> uh, <laughs> God, I'm on the edge of my seat. I'm so, so excited. let's just talk about it. Let's talk about, uh, I think there's only one scene where he dresses up as a different race. Uh, which, 
strangely enough, pretty good. Strangely <laughs> enough, is not a blackface scene. It's a brownface scene. He dresses up basically like Dalsim from Street Fighter Two. Um, Does he, he do the arm thing? Well, he can't stretch his arms that far. Uh, he does a little praying pose and stuff like that. Thanks for nothing. Uh, he does do the voice. Oh, like good. Like who? So now he's extra canceled. Better or worse than Bubble Boy? Boy. Rarely ever are you stumped. <laughs> Sidebar for 90 minutes. I have to go back and re-listen to that episode. <laughs> so good. I guess this is growing up. Okay. Uh, what else does he do? Uh... The only other moment that comes immediately to mind, I didn't take notes on this, I'm shocked. Uh, only is, remembered the racism, I understand. Yeah, he, he walked right up to, uh, he, he was walking with a white girl, and uh, he says to her, ah, Look, some natives, you gotta know how to talk to these people. Don't worry, I watch a lot of TV. And he goes up to him, and he just starts talking like the streets, you know... Ibonix. Like, oh, fuck. It's really just more embarrassing than anything else. Yo, 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 what up, my home dog sort of thing. I'm like, oh, because they're black. I got it. Um, Thanks, Ernest. Yeah. Anyway, he gets stabbed by a spear in the head and he dies. Oh, wait, no, that was what I wanted to happen. Um, after that, it's uh, surprisingly very tasteful. So, uh, <laughs> 10 out of 10. Now, actually, I think the worst part of the movie is his little female accomplice. See, Here's the thing about movies, and as much as we criticize movies, they're really hard to make. There's a lot of people who work on this stuff. A lot of people, they work really long hours, do a very difficult job for little pay. And you see it on the credits and everything. It's just like, look, there was a lot of people who worked hard on this. Except this movie. Uh, because in this one, the credits go by really fast. No one wanted their names visible on the screen for even a split second. And you can tell a lot of people were just kind of dogging it every single day because... It doesn't look or feel like a real movie. It's not just because it was direct to video. It just sucks at everything. Uh, you know Ernest P. Worrell, uh, Jim Vardy, is a Shakespearean trained actor. <laughs> and this is what he's doing. <laughs> Explains a lot. <laughs> oh, man. it's I can't imagine going to, like, drama school and they're, Hey, Vern, know what I mean? Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, I am the most successful member of my acting class. Apparently, I, yeah. He's directed DVD children's movies. Yeah, you got, you got right, dress up like an Indian dude. He did dude, this. He was just yeah. on set holding a spear. Well, Lawrence Olivia did it. Yeah. I'm classically trained. Uh, is there anything else that really bothered me? Um, no, uh, there's really not much to say about it. I thought it was going to be a lot worse, so disappointed. Need more blackface. I say that every movie, you know. Yeah. Speaking of things to put at the front of the show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you're yeah. looking for uh, for new clips for the intro, yeah, the, it's going on the greatest hits compilation. Don't worry. <laughs> um, just have that peppered in every single like five minutes or whatever. Just wish there had been more blackface. Uh, <laughs> next one I watched was the Ritual. Um, <laughs> This is one Parker you assigned, and you seem to enjoy this movie, right? Yes, sir. Uh, I enjoyed it, too. I think it's a very Yay. well done movie. Yeah, so finally you assigned me something halfway decent. No, I t- <laughs> God bless. Uh, let me so, take it okay. better than Ernest. Got it. So I was, I was describing this to a young female associate of consenting age, and she said, uh, after I described it, she's like, wow, have you ever heard of a movie that's kind of similar? It's called Midsummer." I was just like... <laughs> Oh. Well, actually, oh, man, <laughs> man, my 
my not jerk of the week is myself because Midsummer came up in class today, and our professor turns out really liked it uh, and was like, "What would you guys think?" And I'm just, I literally said out loud, "I don't want to waste twenty minutes of the class's time on this." Just <laughs> I, subscribe the to the podcast, listen to the episode, re-listen please. to it again, turn off ads. To anyone out there listening, please do not listen to this podcast. <laughs> you just raise your hand like I have a very specific strain, and if you start this, like I cannot stop. We will no, do that's, this that's all basically day. what happened because like, he pressed me. I'm like, dude, it, we have like 30 minutes of class. What didn't you, you like get anything it, done? Please. <laughs> I did this for free already. I'm paying a significant I, amount of money to be yeah. here. I have I have a feeling that if I were to rewatch Midsummer, that I would probably say, well, I still don't like it, but it's not the worst movie I saw last year by any stretch of the imagination. It's just not very good, and that's what makes it so disappointing. Is that you have these high expectations and everything. And it's just a letdown. It's really boring, and there's a lot of missed opportunities. But that would require me to rewatch Midsummer, and I am never going to do that. Uh, but I, oh, so you're on my side now? Nice. I've been on your side. Uh, you have a problem with listening, don't you? Uh, a little bit, yeah. yeah. I can tell. Okay, so one of the things I was actually thinking about Midsummer uh, is. One of the reasons it wasn't scary at all to me is that, you know, they're always in this open clearing, you know, or maybe they're inside one of their log cabins or something, or in a bear costume. That's never really scary. You think back to a better movie like The Witch, the trees are a lot closer to them, you know? Whenever they're out there amongst the trees, it's a lot scarier. Same thing with The Blair Witch Project. I think it's the proximity of the trees that makes it a, a lot scarier because you don't have a clearly defined path. There's not a lot of room to move around. It's a bit more claustrophobic. So uh, the ritual works in that way. It's First of all, I want to tell you this. Guys, I don't want to go camping. No, Just, under no circumstances. I, I, like, hiking on the mountains, yeah, fine, during the day, whatever, but uh, bring a tent and backpack. So here's the thing. You're clearly not committed to meeting our good friend Squatch. What if I, yeah, you know, what if I just let him come to me, Okay. Odds are eventually he's going to get bored. It's just not his style, you, but you, sure. How would you know? You've never seen him. Mm-hmm. But well, anyway, he had a very specific trip that one time. You yeah. thought you met him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I did. So the ritual, the ritual is about uh, five, I guess, five lads. One of them gets murdered early on, and uh, one of them feels really guilty about it because there's a possibility he could have intervened in some way. It's not really defined that he could have saved this guy's life, but it's just the idea he could have done something, and he feels a lot of guilt about that. And the guilt reoccurs through the movie it's one of the uh, themes of the thing uh which i think is a lot better than midsummer because i don't know that there was necessarily a theme there but it was just an allegory it's like this is what a breakup is like and like yeah remember that time uh, he let his friend die in that robbery and then he stole his thesis yeah (laughs) it's not even yeah i know it's just so anyway also they're all british which is another reason that i started thinking about strike two uh ricky gervais and uh his his comedy because uh I assume that Parker likes British things now because Austin Powers uh, is, it all adds up. So next week's you know. episode, Mr. Bean's Holiday. Uh, oh, geez, I'm <laughs> sick. That sucks. Uh, 
I will admit, uh, so they're going along and uh, they're hiking along and stuff like that, and they find a log cabin because it's raining and stuff, and also uh, their friend, the biggest prick in the world, hurts his ankle. Uh, they go inside the cabin and they try to sleep there, and they all have freaky visions. And they wake up to one of their friends has pissed his pants. It's like, oh, he's scared. Luckily, they don't really do like a, oh, he pissed your pants joke. But they do do uh, something like, oh, why is our friend upstairs naked praying to this bizarre idol in the uh, silhouette of a human shape? And they're just like, yeah, we really should address that. One of them's just like, no, we should really just never talk about that again. Uh, correct. Which is the correct response is, hey, so that that was fucked. Um, let's go home. Uh, we'll never speak to each other again. I will not tell your wife you pissed and shitted in your doo-doo ass. <laughs> I will admit this. It's like, I hate the idea of sleeping in the rain. Uh, especially because, like, I've been a Boy Scout. Setting up a tent in the rain is a bitch. So, uh, yeah, I'd like to sleep in a log cabin. But if I saw that, like, silhouette ritual statue thing in the human shape, I'd probably sleep in a different part of the cabin. If I sleep in the cabin at all. Uh, Correct. So anyway, they have pretty much a rough time. And I do like throughout the movie that there is something following them. You can see a silhouette. It might be a Squatch, but it's never... It's never... Well, Squatch doesn't live in Great Britain, so... Dude, that one scene where it just lingers on trees and then you just see something big move in the background. That was... was, I was locked in immediately. Like, all right, this movie has my attention. Do whatever you want now. Pretty much that was it for me. I was was really locked in because... You can almost see it. You're like, what is that thing? Is it walking on two legs or four? What is going on? Are those antlers? I don't, I don't know what this is. Uh, I'm not saying this is what Midsummer should have been, but I'm saying that this is what Midsummer should have been. So uh, <laughs> based on a lot of other feedback that I've heard about this movie, because more people have seen this than they've seen uh, actually a fair amount of other movies. So it's, it's, this has actually got pretty popular. A lot of people, they enjoy, like, the first two acts, and I think for a lot of people it dies down in the third. I guess I can see where they're coming from, because they sort of don't go quite into the the guilt theme as much as I would have liked. Because I think that would have been a really interesting avenue to explore, but at some point, it kind of feels like they give up on it. Uh, He comes into this, uh, I don't want to give it too much away, but he comes into this village of people. And they're worshipping some, you know, demonic god or whatever that will give them eternal life or something. Typical folk horror sort of bullshit. And at some point, we finally see this creature. Parker, this creature design is some of the best I have seen since Wild Men. The fucking soy face I made when you get that full shot of it. When it's just leaning up and stretching, you get to see all of it. It's like, finally, the Lego is all totally built. Like, I was... Locked in because I was getting serious Blair Witch vibes and Skip. You know I'm passionate about Blair Witch. So what I said, and then just to top it off with like, hey, check this shit out. Yeah, oh my god, it really, really worked. <clears throat> what does it mean? I don't know, but I am thinking. You know, I am. No thinking, one knows what it means, but it's provocative. Yeah, it it certainly <laughs> does provoke. Gets the people going. Yeah. <laughs> Just rewatch that next week's episode. Uh, I happen to yeah, so I I did like it. As for the ending, I I don't know if I was really into that. You know how I feel about endings, and for him to just yell at the thing and then walk back to the road and be like, "Okay, that's my adventure." Not the greatest ending, yeah. but also it built up enough goodwill with me. There was a lot of other good moments. I think I like the thing <laughs> where he lit those. I don't know if they were people or things on fire. I'll, I'll call them mummies. Well, you lit the mummies on that. fire? That was interesting. Oh, fuck. Yeah. Man, I forget. I should rewatch that. Yeah. I wrote a review like two years ago. I don't remember any of it. 
It's uh, I should really rewatch it's that. It's really, really good. I, uh, I happen to like it a lot, and I think it's underrated. I think it's one of the better folk horror movies that I've seen since the original Wicker Man. Um, I would have much rather seen that in a theater than Midsummer. Oh, absolutely. Imagine seeing that giant screen and being like, what the fuck is moving? What is that? Because I've... Doesn't that happen a couple times? Yeah, there's at least two times where you see it. There's one where... Remember that one guy is constantly complaining about his fucking ankle. They should have just left him, honestly. There was that one Absolutely. point where it was just like, I would have just touched him. And the guy's like, look, I'm just going to go up on the hill and see if there's anyone around and see if I can get help. Where you know he's just like, I just want to get away from this guy. And he goes up there and he can barely see it moving in the background. You're like, what the fuck? Because there's like so many just lingering shots of the forest throughout the movie. And then it pays off. Like, just once you're like... Fuck no! And now you know. Every time you see trees, you're like, the "Fuck's back there? Is it back? Is it watching him? What is it? Yeah. What are those antlers? How many legs? Oh god, I'm gonna watch yeah. it again. Like I said, I'm still a little disappointed with. It's not the ending so much as maybe it's the conclusion. There were things that, I I don't know. They didn't get explained, or they they weren't utilized enough. I feel like I'm not saying that the other characters should have had some sort of dark past that they never addressed, and that's why they're killed. I don't need more time on that, but I don't know. Some sort of satanic cult and they're just praying to this thing. It's like, it, it doesn't really do enough for me. And uh, it's still good. It's still one of the better movies that I watched this week. Um, but uh, I, I don't know. They're the little, little, little problems. It's just, just uh, nitpicking. Then I went over to my friend Michelle's house. Uh, she recently had her tonsils out. So she was like, hey, come over and let's watch movies. And uh, she hasn't seen Mad Max Fury Road since it came out, so she wanted to rewatch it. There we and, go. And uh, <coughs> yes, it's still my favorite movie of all Our time. Our weekly segment, Chris watches Fury Road. Yeah, I, boy, I wish it was weekly. Uh, she enjoyed it again, which is good. Uh, very happy she liked it. Uh, I, I won't repeat too much about it because uh, I feel like everything's been said about it that needs to be said. So just one scene that made me laugh. Uh, it's a scene, you know the, the pregnant uh, wife? Uh, you know the one with the long blonde hair? You know she gets killed, right? So at one point, she's... Yeah, I guess her name is Splendid in the movie or something. Uh, so they're like driving along. She's sort of like hanging on the uh, door or whatever. And she just barely misses getting hit by a rocket. And, you're, and she... Uh, Michelle actually like almost covered her eyes. She was like, oh, like scared that she was going to get like violently killed. And uh, she's just like, oh, huh. You know, I really thought one of them dies, and then she immediately dies because the door falls off. <laughs> <laughs> so that that was that was kind of funny. That made me laugh. Uh, I like that movie a lot still. And then I decided I would rewatch with her. Uh, she hasn't seen this movie, but I was like, you know, Parker wasn't into it. Maybe I should rewatch it and see if I still like it. Uh, Better off dead. Um, I still like it, but I have to admit that there are certain scenes that bring it down for me. the The Van Halen scene is awful. Uh, that that scene, I was trying to be nice. That scene, I we'll get some musical numbers. numbers. Yeah, that scene really needed to be excised. I know Parker, you don't really like heavy metal, but uh, it's not the best scene in the movie. It's very uncouth. I don't care for it. Uh, but there are other scenes that still make me laugh really, really hard. Uh, there's something about the way that David Ogden Steers talks that just makes me laugh really hard. The the mailman just dropping mail and kind of looking at it while listening to Foxy Lady makes me laugh. Uh, there, there's a lot that I really like and she liked it too so uh, I, I still like it but maybe not as much I have to remember if there's a movie that I really like but there's like a really bad scene that will drag it down a good example is actually uh, Labyrinth if you remember that scene with like those uh, those red puppets that are dancing around they take off their heads why is that scene in the movie? it's awful it just wastes everyone's time every single time I watch I'm just like why is this here? 
So that's my uh, little bit on Labyrinth, which I didn't rewatch, but I was thinking about it. Um, then I watched Wild Men, which was okay, I guess. <laughs> and then I moved on to Stuber. Cause, okay. I want to talk about Wild Men for like 50 minutes. <laughs> I was not prepared for Wild Men to be anywhere near as good as it was. Wild Men is probably the best movie that I watched this week. Sorry to the rich. Why would you listen to us? Uh, yeah, no. I mean, I mean, to be fair. I, me. I mean, I was, yeah. <laughs> it was not a rhetorical question. <laughs> Wild Men, I have to admit, I was expecting Wild Hogs starring Tim Allen. Uh, but instead, no. Wild Men is it's a future episode. It's a mockumentary about finding Bigfoot, which already I guess I'm locked in naturally. I can see why Alex likes this so much. He plays the lead character, correct? Uh, the most egotistical, arrogant, bald man I've ever seen in my life, who desperately wants to find Sasquatch. But he also plays correct his brother <laughs> Yappy. <laughs> <laughs> I think we all, in some way, are yappy. There's a bit of yappy in all of us. <laughs> I mean, not me, because that guy canonically fucks. But... Yeah, that's the thing, is when he says, and I was in my room alone, there was no one with me. There is absolutely no one. Same buddy, right here with <laughs> you. <all>. Never. <laughs> that gone squatching hat will be part of my wardrobe. Uh, Parker, You're welcome. Parker, we might as well start selling those in the terrible store, so... Yeah, if we can just make a deal with these people, we should, if we can host them. We should also sell Squatch finding equipment. Just the excess I, stuff. Same, but buy it and then go Squatch hunting. <laughs> yeah, that's going to be a real problem if we're trying to sell new Squatch hunting equipment. Used, however. Used, it, I mean, that's yeah. it's got the set. What is the Squatch and resale market look like? Uh, there's a lot. I want to talk about something you guys brought up, which also made me laugh, because it's in the first, I think, three minutes of the movie is uh, they have a skeptic on the show, uh, and her job is, is, is to be we the skeptic. call them fakers? Yeah, her job is to be the skeptic. <laughs> uh, the false accusers, I think it was like the 11th commandment, you don't do that shit. Uh, she believes that Sasquatch doesn't exist, so she's a fucking idiot. And as soon as she says that, he starts squaring up like Donald Duck ready to start boxing. <laughs> Same stance and everything with a fist and everything. He, uh, he looks like, what's that meme of that guy from like obviously 1912 or whatever, the strongman with that sort of pose? <laughs> He's uh, an immediate why I ought to, the second she pipes up about Squash being fake. The other characters in there, are, you know, they got an angry audio guy, you've got the angry director, and you've got the, uh, the PAs, the interns, one of whom was very clearly hired just because she's mildly attractive and the main ball guy wants to hit on her the entire time. Uh, which just feels so bad for her because she looks so uncomfortable throughout the entire movie. Uh, you can tell everyone was having fun with this. This is a very, very funny movie. I was laughing very hard at a number of moments. I still think my favorite line is, No, you don't understand. Sasquatch is king of the forest. And uh, <laughs> a, what was the other one that maybe? Oh, towards the end, this is not a tremendous spoiler. Uh, Bigfoot, who is real comes into the movie he has a cameo appearance in the movie as himself and uh he starts killing various members of the crew and he kills off the director and their response is oh no now who's going to direct <laughs> <laughs> which it's such a subtle line i feel like anyone who watched this and didn't like it maybe weren't paying attention to all the lines because they're really funny but uh i think we should get to the real meat of this what is your favorite kind of Squatch Call? <laughs> I like the melancholy, morose one person. <laughs> melancholy, morose. 
I have to admit, I'm more of an Ohio call my, man myself. Uh, that's my favorite. You know, everyone's always asking where Squatch, but no one ever asks how Squatch. <laughs> I think this is the movie that invented the term Squatch. <laughs> I have got to get that Gon Squatch and hat. I crave it desperately. I kind of want to start, like, t- I want to, like, subtly let on at work that I believe in Bigfoot and just be like... You know, once I get into, like, political conversations, be like, oh, geez, the Republicans, they don't believe in global warming. They don't believe in, you know, real science. I bet they don't even believe in Bigfoot. I mean, all the science right there in front of you. Not believing in Bigfoot is might as well not believe in vaccines. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Watching too many Kubrick movies, my friends. If you're a listener and you have any movie pitches, don't want to hear them. If you want to go hunt ghosts with us, Please email us at butts at terriblebloggedonet. <laughs> we will get that. some equipment. Go to some asylums. Oh. Let's make it happen. This... Hey, oh my well, god! Well. Next uh, live recording. Bring the audience. Both of them will show up for Wild Men. <laughs> uh, but yeah, Wild Men. I, I kind of feel like if should I buy the Blu-ray? Because I kind of feel like I'm going to yes. need that for like friends. I want to support them because it's so good. That's the thing, is like, apparently this was a TV movie. I'm so mad that this didn't get a theatrical release, because I totally would see this at the Alamo with, like, a I bucket need of popcorn. You to contact your friends at the draft house. <laughs> Guys, I have a pitch for if you. If it has a Blu-ray, I, I can safely say this is easily the best Bigfoot movie ever made. Uh, it's This is everything that I want in a Bigfoot movie, including <laughs> perhaps the shittiest Bigfoot costume I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> We swing it his arms. That it's like the combined version in Chadwalk. It's if like Parker and I did the Saiyan duo <laughs> dance. Fusion dance. Oh my god. So the guy dumps the all the pee on himself and he does the calls right to Sasquatch's face and gets fucking clocked right in the jaw. <laughs> <laughs> The sound I made, and then they get a real sign that Sasquatch is almost certainly there, and the brother, the brother's probably like, uh, no, it, that, no way, it could have been. We have to go. We should just leave. Uh, here's a distracting thing. Uh, don't get too jealous. I recognize one of the uh, hoodies that the guy was wearing. I own that exact hoodie. Uh, oh, my God. I don't know where... Oh, I know where it is. That's upstairs. Uh, you know how people talk about like being a kid and watching the original Evil Dead and be like, you know what? I can make movies. Yeah. That's how I feel like about Wild Men. Like, you Absolutely. know what? If someone gave us like twenty grand in a shitty costume, this is what we, the three of us, would create yes. together. Correct. Yeah. You have to save us from ourselves. Yeah. It's either that or yeah, we hired Stan Winston to make us a Bigfoot. Yeah, we got Rob Bettine over here. <laughs> you know, that's the thing. Is like, if you did put it best, if we were going to make a movie, it'd probably be something like this. Uh, we like might... shot for shot, just ending an explosion of horrific violence and fake blood <laughs> oh dibs on being yappy parker gets me bigfoot Wait damn it <laughs> no in fun. a rare dual role i shall mike myers myself and be both yappy and sasquatch oh man again i oh, there, there's many moments many moments i'm not mentioning because this is one if i had to mention one movie on this podcast that you gotta see it's for this episode it would definitely be wild men which uh I really liked uh, waiting very much for the sequel, Killing Bigfoot. Uh, oh I don't think they're going to be able to do it. I, if they make a Kickstarter, 
folks. Yeah, that's it is up to cool. us to make this happen. Dude, if they make a Kickstarter, I would do, you know, like uh, a lot of them have like the stretch goals where it's just like some guy, if you donate like $75,000, fine, you get to be in the movie. I would make a Kickstarter for their Kickstarter. <laughs> <laughs> I would fly there and demand to be a part. I would work pro boner. I would absolutely have nice. to be in that movie. I will pay all my expenses as long as I get murdered on camera. <laughs> if that squash rips me in half, I will pay you. And nothing can be I better. I want to have than... an IMDb page, and the only credit is me being murdered by Bigfoot. What what honor could be greater than being dragged off into the woods by Sam Scratch? Oh my, oh my god. Hey, uh, here's my demo reel. Hey guys, where's the... <laughs> That's my entire demo reel. <laughs> That's it. Oh, you get murdered before you even get to give your own squash call? I know you just my, hear me my, doing it as I'm being dragged. I know my squash call would just sound like Orson Welles talking about wine. <laughs> oh, rich body wine. <laughs> the friendship. <laughs> Gone. <laughs> to the fucking woods. Oh, man. Okay, and then I watched Stuber. Correct. <laughs> That's... What else is there to say? There really is not much to say. Have you guys seen Stuber? Did you... You didn't watch Stuber. Yeah, I didn't think so. Uh, I, I, what kind of awful person was I thought I, I held like a 5% chance that Alex has seen him because usually if you recommend something it's like oh this will hurt or something or this will be something you actually like and sometimes it's a guessing game uh, for example when you assigned me um, what was the what was the one with Mark Wahlberg where he's on the oil rig yeah Deepwater Horizon which I ended up actually kind of liking that's sometimes sometimes it doesn't go that way Freddy Got Fingered is another one where it sort of backfires I ended up liking that one too although that one makes a little bit more sense as to why I probably wouldn't uh, I'm not going to say I like Stuber but I will say that uh, there is very very little to say about it the jokes are bad uh, most of the jokes don't work at all a couple of jokes do work quite well um, I don't remember them off the top of my head the action is almost entirely pointless until Iko Uwais gets on screen. That's the reason that you assigned it to me. Guess what? I still love Iko Uwais more than I love beer. Uh, I have to admit. Yeah, I have to admit, I'm kind of disappointed that it almost feels like he's not being used correctly. You know? Because like we see him in the raid, the raid 2. Uh, Parker, what was it called? The Night Comes for Us, I believe you assigned it to me. Yeah. I like that one too. And Triple Threat. That's the thing about Stuber is... There's not nearly enough Iko Uwe's fighting until you get to the very end at the climax, which is really cool. It just shows off all this cool stuff that he can do. It's just like, it's really intelligent and well shot and everything. And the rest of the movie is just squinting Dave Batista riding around with, there's no other way to describe him, Indian Rob Schneider. <laughs> I wish. <laughs> uh, at this point, what's his name? I'm going to look up the name of this poor sap. Because uh, he's been in other movies, too. Um, he's been everywhere recently. Same. I Yeah, yeah it's Kumail Nanjiani. Uh He sucks. I, I'm really sorry. He was in uh, The Big Sick. I remember The Big Sick was a really big hit back in 2017. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, that's all right. Well, I can tell you this. He must be a hell of a lot funnier than that than he is in Stuber. Stuber's awful. Uh He's really good on Silicon Valley, where he has a very specific character. Yeah, maybe maybe it's the writing. Maybe maybe he he couldn't work with uh, whatever the script was. But they at one point they make a mansplaining joke. Not in Stuber, isn't Stuber is a different writer. 
Uh, yeah, they make a mansplaining joke and a problematic joke. Uh, yes, yeah, like Ricky Gervais. Uh, yeah, it sucks. Um, I again, I, I think Indian Rob Schneider is the meanest thing I've ever said about anyone, but it's accurate. Uh, yeah, uh, I he, he's probably played an Indian before, hasn't he? He's played every other ethnicity. I there has to be him playing an Indian in a Happy Madison movie somewhere. Yeah. We won't find out, but we'll take it as I one. don't plan yeah. on it. Parker, what did you watch? All right. All right. Since we're already 40 minutes in, I will be brief with some of I'll these. I'll cut some of this. Oh, awesome. So here's three in a row. Three old movies that I usually would not watch. So The Think from Another World. Oh. Just, it's fine. Boy, you, like, I think I you're don't, a lot kinder to it than I am. I don't watch a lot of 50s sci-fi movies, so from what I've seen, I was like, yeah, this is another one of those. That was fine. Well, I, like, speaking of someone who does watch a lot of 50s sci-fi movies, it's better than most of those. And I still don't like The Thing from Another World because it's basically obsolete with The Thing. Correct. I thought the reveal where they opened the door and the thing's just fucking standing there and swipes at him was like, 1956, someone probably shit their pants. In fact, like, I believe fine. it was John Carpenter shit his pants at it. I, according to him, he was really scared by that movie. That makes one of us. It's like 75 minutes. It was not a huge loss. I think it's totally it fair, fine. you know. Again, it's different times back then. Um, yeah, it doesn't work for me. Yeah. Yeah, it's, you know. So after that, I watched the original The Fly. All right. Boy, that ending. Yeah. <laughs> I was not expecting that haunting ending. Like, it's like, this is this is pretty good. Like, better than I thought it would be. The, the story structure is kind of weird. How it, the whole middle is just a flashback. But, you know, it's got Vincent Price. My whole life, up until the moment it hit play, I assumed that movie was in black and white for some reason. Oh, that's totally I'm not sure fair, why. Yeah. But what we a good that movie, ending. right? Yeah, that fucking... That thing in that spider web saying help me in that voice. Y'all, <laughs> what the fuck? Mm-hmm. I truly was not prepared like, for it. Like, as a concept, it's a Goosebumps book. But yeah. in execution, they're just like, yeah, let's just go all the way that we can go. I was like, so how's this going to end? And then you hear it and you're like, wait a second. Is he like a spider? And then you get the zoom in. Good stuff. Yeah. But once again, like, it's better. Like, it's it holds up on its own. But the 80s version is... It's it's objectively superior, yeah. But the 50s one is different from the thing from another world. Because the 50s one is like, that's worth watching too. It's it's also a good way to be like, look how far we've come. But the the, the old one's still good. I vibe very heavily with the entire laboratory and all the blinking neon lights. Oh yeah, teleportation. That's my Lego, my Lego lab. <laughs> oh, I heavily fuck with that. Yeah. And then to round out the triple feature, I watched the original Invasion of the Body Snatchers. It's incredibly funny to me to watch the movie that has like it's not even subtext; it's just text. And then the director's like, "Nah, it has nothing to do with anything. It's just a sci-fi movie." Like, absolutely, go fuck yourself. It's. You think I'm stupid? I think the director's stupid. I think it's based on a book, and the director just didn't know. He was just like, "We'll just film it like this. Who cares?" Communism? No, they're pod people. Absolutely suck. Like it's it. right there. Couldn't be more obvious. <laughs> like I am barely functioning as an adult and even i can pick up like didn't oh, didn't they remake that one in the there. 70s i think they did yes and also the 90s yeah, i well, did not get to the 70s one i yet. haven't seen the 70s one but i've definitely heard about it i wonder if it's any good 
I've heard the 70s one is like just as good, if not better. Mm. I plan on getting into those remakes and also all the remakes and sequels for The Fly and The Thing. Eventually. They made more remakes of The Fly? Why? Buddy, The Fly 2 is a thing that exists oh, that I cannot wait to talk to you about. <laughs> I will admit, the, the remake of The Blob was really good. I, that That's, movie, oh, that was a jaw dropper. I did not expect that, anywhere near as much. I didn't expect any blood in that movie. You know I'm passionate about practical effects. Yeah. And kids getting melted by blob monsters. Yeah. Let's see. So, like normal. So I was house-sitting for my friend, the one with the big fucking TV. Yeah. Big, big 70-inch, huge sound system. He lives in an actual house, not an apartment like I do, Lucky. so I get to exploit it. So what I'm saying is, before the Super Bowl, I had three hours to kill, so I watched Heat on his system. All right. That was the best choice I could have possibly made. Like, get the gunshots going. Oh my, every shot just fucking rattled the house. Like, you could hear during the bank scene just, like, the cup sitting on the counter, like, clinking because it shook. It was... What a beautiful experience. I realized watching it, like... I think we all in our age group have this shared experience of, like... Oh, yeah, I've seen, like, parts of Heat a hundred times on TNT. I don't think I've ever sat down and just watched it start to finish. So, yeah, uh, turns out, good movie. Sometimes, sometimes it's worth sitting down for a three-hour movie. Few and far between, but when it works, man, it totally works. Because we've all done that thing of, like, I gotta start getting ready soon, let me put something on. Oh, we're about to rob the bank? Okay, I'll just sit here for a minute, and then I'll go shower. Yeah. Like, whom amongst us has not done that? But Just, like, the perfect encapsulation of everyone involved being at their absolute peak at the same time. And that cat, like... Natalie Portman is like 12th build in that movie. It's insane. What a fucking great cast. Great. I just want to watch it again. I just want to close my eyes and just listen to those gunshots ring out. I did not know that it was based off a TV pilot Michael Mann wrote like years and years ago. It, it, it feels and like that, it to me. That makes so much sense. I would not trade this movie for anything, but also I would take two seasons of that show in a heartbeat. So yeah, uh, five stars, perfect movie. Like I'm not breaking it into ground by saying yeah. that, but well, it's, it's good I that not, people not appreciate that movie. I, it's, it's one of those ones that kind of, I'm not saying it flies under the radar, but it doesn't get enough mention among a lot of people. I think. I think it got like it's legendary TNT runs. It's like you turn it on on Sunday, you're like, oh, I'm strapped in for like five hours. I feel like that gave it a second life that it did not get in theaters. Like, hey, I just turn on this. Is that Robert De Niro? I guess I'll leave this on, and then you just get the scene with him and Pacino in the coffee shop and you just realize like, hey, movies will never be this good again. <laughs> Fuck, I love Heat, you guys. <laughs> he just negs her like eight times. Completely uninterested to talk about things that aren't medals. I would die for Michael Mann. He's my senpai. Let's see. Okay, I'll roll through this. So I found a movie on Shudder called Bliss. I heard I heard pretty good things about it, so I was like, I'll pop it on. It's like 80 minutes. What I did not do was I did not read the description of the movie. Which will come into play in a bit here. So it's about this artist, and she's has she's a painter. She has horrible writer's block. Like she's, it's been months. She cannot get it done. Her agent's dropping her. Everything's going fucked up. She's like, all right, I need inspiration. Let's get some fucking drugs in the system. So things start going fucking crazy. And like to portray how f- crazy the trip is, it's just bright colors, vibrant, this loud ass bass. Like, pretty sure Alex a coin flip. You might hate it. Because I know those things drive you insane in movies, and which is this constant piercing tone. 
But what I forgot, I did not read it. And if I read that, I would have known that this is a vampire movie. So when 30 minutes Santa realized, like, oh, no, you're not just tripping balls because of the drugs. Hey, you got bit. Like, you're transforming. And then it gets so gory so fast. Like, the flashing lights and the score, like, I had this is the first time I've watched a movie on Shudder that gave you a seizure warning. Like, oh. it is oppressive. But it also works to, like, sell... You feel as disoriented as she does the entire time. You don't know if what she's seeing is real, how many days have passed, if it's the same day, if it's fucking two weeks later. Is that person really there? Is that person dead? Who the fuck knows? So, uh... I... Yeah, like, visually, it's very similar to something like Mandy. But, like, it doesn't have a boring first hour. It's... It was very solid. It was a nice surprise. And then I learned that... On Valentine's Day, this same director has a movie coming out called VFW. If I could just read this uh, synopsis for you. A group of war veterans must defend their local VFW post and an innocent teen against a deranged drug dealer and his relentless army of punk mutants starring William Sadler. Ooh, so I'll mutants? see y'all at the Red Box. Because if it's anything, if it's anywhere near as violent and gory as this was, it's going to be a five-star movie. <laughs> So yeah, that was a very welcome surprise. And let me just round up. So, years and years ago, back in high school when I would just stay up until 6 in the morning watching anything that was on the premium cable channels, I came across a movie called Best of the Best. This is a powerful entry in the white guy karate canon. top build actor, Eric Roberts, just to set the tone. So the gist of this movie is every year there's this huge karate tournament, which is U.S. against Korea. Now you're asking yourself, which Korea? Don't worry about it. Will not uh -huh. be addressed. So the whole first movie, it's essentially getting the team together, the team training, facing Korea in the finals. Like, it's it's rocky, but dumber. So you have Eric Roberts. Uh, the, the second build guy is like an actual martial artist, because that's what you do in these movies. You get like a a star, someone you can afford, and then someone who actually does martial arts and can do all the cool fight scenes. Third build is Christopher Penn. So it's like, okay, Eric Roberts, and the fat dude from Reservoir Dogs, and this actual Korean dude who can do the martial arts. So this movie is fine. By the way, let me just mention, their coach is James Earl Jones. Like I said, the movie, it's pretty solid. I thought I had seen this one. What I'd actually seen was Best of the Best 2. Now let me just get snug, because this is one of the most powerful movies I've ever seen in my life. Best of the Best 2 has to do with an underground fighting thing. Now stay with me here. In Vegas, there's a place called the Coliseum, and there are no rules in the Coliseum. <gasps> The Coliseum, so like, there's a there's an MC, there's a showrunner, who is played by Wayne Newton. And the big boss of the Coliseum is a humongous German name, man named Brackus. Now this German man, I recognize him immediately, is the same giant German man from the German team in Beerfest. So take a couple seconds and just internalize that. Just a massive brick shit Fantastic. like Fantastic. If Hitler could, like, put someone, could 
create a human body, it would be this man. He is the poster boy for the Third Reich. Just a giant fucking Broly-sized German man. So the opening of this movie (laughs) is Christopher Penn, the fat guy from Reservoir Dogs, fighting this dude and getting murdered in the middle of the ring. (laughs) The problem is Eric Roberts' son had snuck away and he saw this. So he goes and tells him, hey, dad, uh, and also other dad, because for some reason Eric Roberts and the Asian guy, who, by the way, his name is Tommy Lee. Don't even worry about it. They train together, they might live together, they run a karate studio together, but they're definitely not gay. They are not gay. Eric Roberts has a super hot girlfriend, it's fine, but they're definitely gay. So he's like, oh my god, Chris Penn died. They're like, oh shit, let's go investigate. And they go up there like, hey, so uh, what the fuck? They're like, nah, he left. They're like, okay, sick. I guess my dumb kid's lying to me. Cut to next scene where they're fishing a car out of the river. We find out, like, okay, so they definitely murdered this man and staged it to look like he drunk and drove. Got it. Then the goons just show up at Eric Roberts' house with machine guns and start spraying the place up. So they're like, oh, fuck, we gotta get out of here. So they go to Tommy Lee's relative's house. And by relatives, I mean his Native American family that took him in. Now I know what you're asking yourself. Are they trained by his alcoholic Native American uncle who takes them on a vision quest? Yes! The answer is a strong absolutely. So they have they have their little training session. It's revealed that... Because the whole family fucking hates this uncle. He's just this horrible drunk because... That's how you make movies in the 90s. Like, oh, it's an Indian guy. Yeah, he's just a fucking drunk. He's like, no, I wasn't in a car accident. I fought Brackus and I could teach you how to win. They find them at the compound... And shoot this motherfucker like Willem Dafoe in Platoon. <laughs> he gets lit the fuck up. Everyone else gets kidnapped. And then it leads to the big fight at the end. It is one of the greatest 90s white dude karate movies I've ever seen in my life. I I saw this in the middle of the night. like Because I didn't catch it at the very beginning. I caught it like 10 minutes in. And like as soon as I saw that dude get his neck broken... By the guy from Beer Fest. It was an immediate, like, okay, I'm locked in no matter what happens. It was a school night. It was like 4.30 in the morning on, like, Action Max or some shit. But I was in. And I'm so happy it holds up. It is... So it turns out they made two more of these. I was like, okay, Eric Roberts is even in it. The fucking Asian dude. He's he's the only one that comes back. He directs them. I'm not going to watch him. I bring up this movie in one of my discords. And someone types... I remember catching, I think it was three or four, and if I recall correctly, a guy dives out of the way, and during the fall, he hits a fork that's half off a table perfectly, causing it to flip through the air and stab a guy. So, I'll see you guys next week when I talk about Best of the Best 3 and (laughs) 4. So yeah, like, absolutely strongest recommend to Best of the Best 2. You do not need to see the first one, but also probably see the first one, (laughs) because Eric Roberts has a shoulder-length mullet in that movie. I didn't even mention that Chris Penn just plays someone that sounds like me, and he wears a cowboy hat in every scene. <laughs> he has, like, three lines in the second one before he dies, and one of them is calling his black opponent Sinbad. Representation matters. Because it, it's 1993, and you can just do that in movies. It is real fucking good. Strongest of recommends. If you're the kind of person who likes shitty 90s action movies, it's, it is a must-watch. All right, now that we're an hour in, let's talk about Austin Powers. <laughs> so, t- 
talking about Austin Powers is kind of an interesting thing. I kind of want to talk about the genesis of the first movie. So, uh, Mike Myers is hot off the success of Wayne's World, and I, I think Wayne's World 2. And um, I made another movie that I didn't like very much. So I married an axe murderer, but it wasn't bad enough that he you know, lost any of his fame. And he was, I think he was uh, really big on uh, Saturday Night Live. Anyway, apparently he was uh, coming home from a hockey game or something and he came home to his wife and he started doing this routine where you dance around to Sol Bossa Nova while doing a British accent. And his wife was like, write it down. You should like make that into like a bit or something like that. They turned this bit into a movie. Uh, he combined it with like, I kind of wanted to do like a, a spy parody, you know, like a parody of James Bond. The result was... I guess, a cultural touchstone for a lot of people. Austin Powers, International Man of Mystery, uh, which was a fair success. Now, before we talk about the next movie, I'd like to sort of focus on the first movie. Uh, this was really popular in your house, wasn't it, Parker? Oh, my God. I if It is about 2.30 in the morning here. If I texted my mom or sister with any of like the big quotes from this movie... I would get a response. Like, it is ingrained in our immediate family. Yeah. At least 50 times between the first two movies. Yeah, there's something about it that we were the exact right age for because one of, one of the reasons that we decided to rewatch it is it's not just like, oh, that's a good movie, you know, something to talk about. It's like, does it still hold up? Do these jokes still work on us? Why did they work on us the first time? Uh, is that silhouette scene still funny? Spoilers, it is. I, there's a there's a lot here that goes on. Um, I think the first one, Alex, you mentioned this off mic. The first one is more of a real movie. There are scenes of uh, general pathos. It's like I, I felt bad for Austin Powers in a couple of moments. It's like it must be tough traveling thirty years into the future and everything's different. You kind of have to get used to it. It's tough to make connections. There's a line that uh, Elizabeth Hurley says. Uh, she's like, "Welcome to the '90s. You're going to be very lonely." And uh, it's like, yeah, it's a line that like, you're going to think about for a little bit. Uh, let's also talk about Elizabeth Hurley. Slide I respect women too much to say my true comments. <laughs> I have to admit, again, I was so dumb as a, as a kid that I thought that she was the girl from The Mummy. Because, uh, I, again, I thought every brown-haired girl with a British accent was basically the same person. Um, okay, fine. I have to talk about a lot of vagina in this movie. Oh, my God. <laughs> that awaken something in me that I'm not sure that I'm happy that it ever got awoken. <laughs> I've never recovered from that silhouette scene. Yeah, there's not just a silhouette scene. The first time you see her, you're just like, what in the world are those? I don't know what they are, but I want to look at them. Oh my goodness. Truly had an impact that I will never be the same again. Yeah. I think it was like, what, seven or eight when this came out? I was too young to know what to do with those feelings yeah it was a it was a very strange moment in christory when i saw that but yeah. cut to 20 minutes later i already peed but it won't go away <laughs> <laughs> i don't know what to do <laughs> all right and of course the main part of the movie is uh mike myers uh mike myers uh one of the things that i really like about him in this movie and and in wayne's world uh and you can contrast this with a lot of other movies that he's made is you know we often talk about when you can tell that an actor is hating life in a movie and just like boy he really does not want to be in this 
The exact opposite is going on here. You can tell he's having a lot of fun with this role. You know, he's he's really into the character. He thinks this is the funniest thing in the world, and he's really going for it. He and it's not just the the Austin Powers role; it's the Doctor Evil role too. He thinks that's really funny, and I like seeing that expression of joy on his face. Contrast this with the Cat in the Hat, oh or the or the Love Guru. Human hair <laughs> suit was made with human oh, hair Chris. so was his suit in this movie uh, <laughs> but yeah uh i i like it a lot i i like uh i like the expression of joy like i said i like that he's having fun in this because i think that sort of amplifies the performance you can tell that someone is really getting into it and i guess the same can be said about jim varney <laughs> A comparison often made. And of course, our favorite actor of the 90s, Seth Green. Uh, I haven't watched any (laughs) Robot Chicken, and I don't suppose that I will, because we don't assign TV shows for Super Bowl bets, so it's okay. Yeah. Uh, Uh, Judge is ruling on that one. Yeah, I know. I was was wondering. Anyway, I will be taking vacation from the podcast. Uh, Yeah, I I like Seth Green. I was telling Parker, it kind of doesn't feel like a 90s movies is right. Unless Seth Green is in. It feels like there's something missing if I don't have my Seth Green. So, very happy to have him in here. I'm, I'm happy about the way that he's introduced. Uh, oh, it also has Carrie Fisher. She's better in this than she is in any Star Wars movie. <laughs> the dead speak. <laughs> Did you just say, oh, so you're you dead serious? <laughs> no, I said the dead speak. Oh. <laughs> oh, it might be worse. <laughs> Do you want to go scene by scene or just like pick and choose? I think it should just be a thing of like, hey, do y'all remember that scene? When? Yeah, I think that's I can do that. pretty much one of the best ones. I think one of my favorites is, um, I mean, we could also talk about uh, Michael York, one of the most famous British actors of all time, who plays <laughs> Basil Exposition. That's <laughs> such a... I remember that name. I don't remember Will Ferrell's name. Uh, he's in there and he's really good. He's got a perpetual grin on his face. Yeah, I happen to like that a lot. Oh yeah, there's also Random Task, which is a good one. Man. And uh, that guy's Wikipedia page takes a very dark turn. Oh, I don't want to know. Uh, murder, along with other sex Maybe crimes, plural. Because it starts funny. Because you find out. He fought at UFC 4 back when you could just do whatever. So his big moment was taking a guy down and then getting punched in the dick like eight times until he let go of the hold and he got choked out. Oh. And then... I'd, I'd probably be pretty that. mad. Maybe stop reading the page too, then. I'd, I'd have to find an outlet. Uh, so there's oh a, boy. <laughs> <laughs> so there's a... One of the scenes that we've mentioned before on here is uh, the Lucky Charms scene. Yes, they're always after me, Lucky Charms. <laughs> I did not remember the scene being dragged out that long in this movie. I did not know that they explained the joke. And uh, that kind of broke my heart because, oh, it's like a little TV commercial. They chase them around. They want to get the tricks rabbit. I'm like, oh, really? That's a, that's a shame because I, I thought it just sort of ended on, yes, they're always after me like he charms, which is funny enough, you know? Yeah, there's a... Oh, yeah, that's a good point, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, that's the thing. is like, if you don't explain the joke, it's a lot better. But that one, they sort of drag it out. And I, I know in a lot of Mike Myers movies, they will explain the joke. And I guess he thinks that's the funny part of it. It is not. But And also, every Will Ferrell but movie. But sometimes, sometimes that joke is good enough that you're just like, 
you know, it's fine enough by me. I, I don't mind so much. Uh, we're going to talk about moments that we really like. Moments that one of the things about these movies is uh, the reason that we rewatch it is because there are scenes in here that are so funny and they shouldn't be funny. It doesn't make any sense that they're funny and that they hold up, but they do. And a great example is who does number two work for? <laughs> <laughs> That's the entire casino scene, start to finish. It might be my favorite part of the movie. <laughs> So in the bathroom, I really thought that uh, one of the best parts there is when he says, like, you talk about, like, yeah, you show that turd who's boss. I think a better one is, no, no, you're supposed to relax. You'll stretch out your O-ring. <laughs> every single Tom Arnold line cracks me up, which is not a thing I expected to say. In yeah, that's that's a new one, isn't it? Oh, are you part of the show? Oh, no, I'm English. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Like, I feel like watching this now, the things that crack me up the most are all of the side characters yeah. and appreciating like how much good facial acting there is. Yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of that in this movie. Um, like, as a kid, someone getting strangled and it sounds like he's pooping is funny enough. But as an adult, seeing the camera just linger on Tom Rolls for two seconds as he's like, "What the fuck?" <laughs> You alright in there, man? <laughs> like, he looks so distraught at what he's doing. I really like... There's some visual gags in there that just work so well for me. I don't know why I'm a sucker for this sort of stuff, but, like, it's a scene where she's communicating, I think, uh, with a with with Basil Exposition on the laptop, <laughs> and he's in the background walking around nude, and there's a whole bunch of, like, dick imagery going on there. I, I don't know why. I thought that was really funny. And towards the end, they recreate it, but with her breasts, and... That's even funnier. Uh, I, I really, really like that stuff. And it's set up really well. It's like, that is visual storytelling. They're using the camera to tell the story. Pay attention, Michelle. So uh, <laughs> I do love some gags. You know that about me. <laughs> yeah, let me explain. So it looks like her titties here. Uh, <laughs> like, I wrote down, like, obviously everyone loves a good piss joke of him being <laughs> thawed out and pissing for five minutes. Oh. The thing that gets me the most it's how, like, it's 15 seconds uninterrupted, and then he just leans forward and braces himself <laughs> on the wall. Have we never been there before? I have to admit, I think my favorite part about that whole scene is not just the interruptions, which is really funny, because that's, like, slapstick. That's, like, how you use audio to sort of set up a joke. It's the one where it's, like, A, there's, like, a whole leader that he unleashes at the very end. But it's also the fact that his leg twitches. His, you notice his right leg twitches with every it's single so spurt. <laughs> He's trying to kick the rest out. Uh, what was what was the other good scene in the first Austin Powers? Oh, you know, one of my favorites, I have to say, this is probably my favorite scene in all the Austin Powers movies, by far, is the steamroller gag. I laugh <laughs> so hard at that. That's like, low-key like, the best scene. 45 sorry, feet ahead. away, screaming <laughs> like a banshee. <laughs> I th- like... In 90% of movies, you would get that cut in and then get to the therapy scene and go, what? fucking cut this. What are you doing? Why are you stretching this movie out? But but it might be my favorite scene. That therapy scene is so fun. I remember when I was a kid, I didn't laugh as much because I didn't understand some of the words that he was using. Like, I'm seven years old. I don't know what a scrotum is. I don't know what buggery means as a child. Yes, yeah. <laughs> correct. But when he said that his father would do bizarre things, like pretend that he invented the question mark, I laughed so hard at that. That is like... Like one of the funniest things I've ever heard. Drink. 
that the cadence in that entire monologue is like the best thing Mike Myers has ever done. It really is. It's like that shows the real genius of the performer. <laughs> it's I, I really do like that. It is very funny. Uh, I also do like uh, the fact that when he's deciding what they're going to do for their evil scheme, uh, they, you know, bunch of things <laughs> chose. I like, I kind of like the very end of it. He's like, and we all ask for one. He's like looking off the side. Hundred billion dollars. <laughs> I just love uh, proposing two things. Just going, shit. Just the most my, deadpan, like, fuck. I'm the boss. My favorite, <laughs> my favorite part of that scene is absolutely, and this is something that I did not recognize until this time that I saw it. When they have the chart of evil schemes, and one of the things listed is just carrot top movie. <laughs> oh, Parker, tell us about that. <laughs> oh, buddy. He has inventions. That's fun. <laughs> They're like props. <laughs> you surf? Yeah, that's a real good one. Raquel Welch is in it. Uh, so, is there, is there anything else? I have to admit, I, it, it does sort of suffer from a lack of a specific character. When you think of Austin Powers, one of the first characters that you think about is Mini-Me. And he's not in the first movie at all. So, I kind of feel like I, I knew he wasn't in when I rewatched him. I'm not stupid but like I mean I am but like not that stupid it's just you kind of want his presence in there I guess Scott doesn't yeah. get quite enough screen time for me or something and so you kind of have to make it up with someone else so I'm with you on that mostly because I saw the second one before I saw the first one right so like to me the second one is Austin Powers and when I saw this it's like oh this is different and also good but like in my brain, you're absolutely yeah, right. Yeah, you're exact still same missing like the Mini-Me are... character. Uh, I don't know that you're missing Fat Bastard, but you're definitely missing Mini-Me. <laughs> I kind of wish you had been in this. Fat Bastard is <laughs> an incredible character. I have complex feelings about Fat Bastard. We'll, we'll get Look, to him in let, a let, bit. Me, let me put it this way. None of us watched Goldmember, because why would we? Yeah. I watched but when the I realized... scene with Tom Cruise, and then I turned it off. But when I realized that Goldmember was the movie that had the Fat Bastard sumo scene... I was like, oh, fuck, maybe I should have watched Goldmember. Yeah. <laughs> Where he gets caught on the wire. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I should have watched Goldmember. Guys, maybe it. it's not as bad as we thought. <laughs> like, I really think the thing I got out of this most, seeing it as an adult, is, like, every single side character is so fucking funny. Yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. Oh, I, I forgot. Okay, can I talk about Mindy Sterling real quick? Absolutely. Okay, I would like to talk incredible. about Mindy Sterling in this one. Not just the fact that she screams the last word of all of her sentences, which is really funny, but the way that she's introduced. They don't explain that joke. It's one of the funniest ones in all the movies. It's like, oh, what makes her a villain? She formed the militant wing of the Salvation Army. That's like one of the funniest <laughs> things I've ever heard. That's definitely a thing I did not get as a kid. <laughs> that, that, is, that went right over my head, but that's like the funniest thing. That is a really, really great joke. It's better than my number two man, number two. <laughs> Like, I f forgot, like, there's the whole I like to live dangerously scene. I forgot that ends with number two just dead painting. I have to go to the little boy's room. <laughs> he just walks out of the scene. <laughs> Every single character is so fucking funny. It's he does have, of good. course, that line. Uh, uh, it was like, uh, so what do you do for a living? That's my business. I, I kind of want to go, yeah, that that's what he asked. You can tell him. <laughs> you can just lie. I, I too. 
like to live dangerously. That's like one of the best scenes. I, I remember when I was a kid, even when I was a kid, I understand the I understood the rules of blackjack, and I thought that scene was really funny. As an adult, I think it's somehow even funnier. Yeah. The raised eyebrow and the very slight head tilt—it's yeah. perfection. So, just there's so much. <laughs> there are so many just well-timed head nods in this movie. This movie's like really well directed in a way I was not expecting at all. Yeah, it looks yeah. like a real ass movie. Yeah, I mean that goes a long way too. <laughs> Unlike the second one. No, we, oh. Okay, do we have any last thoughts on the first movie? Because it seems like we want to talk about the spy who shagged. I, I am so happy the first one held up for me. I mean, there's jokes that kind of thud, but yeah, when like you do the, the, the movie from one, the nineties, yeah. there's gonna be some shaky ground, like Will Ferrell and Brownface. So. Like playing Mustafa. Okay. (laughs) It was, it was very much like I was happy to see it was as funny as I remembered, but also like I kind of alluded to like so much of my frame of reference for Austin Powers is like just dumb esoteric pop culture references, which this movie has a lot less of. Yeah, but, but the spy who shagged me is jam fucking packed. Yeah, my last thing on International Man of Mystery is. As far as whether it holds up, I'd say, surprisingly for the most part, no. Um, There's something about the... It's maybe because I'm 30 now, and I'm just not going to laugh at some of these dumb jokes. But the ones that stick around have this nostalgic pull on me that I'm never going to not laugh at. And they're Like the scene with the the fucking sea bass fucking bites his head off. He makes all those head puns. (laughs) I live for shit like that. That's very funny to me. I happen we went back because like as when I saw this originally, like I hadn't seen a Bond movie before. Yeah, I didn't know who the fuck Lauren Michaels was, even though right. I watch SNL. Like <laughs> none of this meant anything to me. I didn't know that Mike Myers' dad had died, and like his favorite memories were watching all these shitty '60s movies. So he was like, "Well, I'm just gonna make one." And like knowing that now, it makes it much sweeter, especially the Spy Who Shagged Me of like. Oh, you want me to make another? We're just gonna fucking triple down on the '60s stuff. Like, absolutely, <laughs> fuck you. I'm doing what I want. Yeah, there, there are still things I like about, it, and I guess really for me, and Park, you've been doing it the entire episode. Is the theme song oh, just? It just fills you with such joy. It makes you want to dance around and be kind of like an English goofball, you know. And it, I like. I perked that. up. That's nice. Immediately. I I I love so much. That this movie has a fucking Grammy. By the way, yeah, <laughs> I, I like that a lot. I will admit, actually, I saw that it was like music by so I don't remember the name. At one point, it def- especially it's the it's a piss scene where he's like getting rid of everything that was in his bladder. It's it sounds like uh, Danny Elfman does the music because it just sounds like dum, 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 dum. I'm like what in the world is he doing? <laughs> it's not here? nearly oppressive enough. Yeah, that's a good point. I, there were a couple moments I was just like, what in the world? I really thought it was Danny Elfman for a bit. Maybe doing it under pseudonym. So let's get on to the spy who shagged me. I have a lot to talk about before we actually talk about the movie. So bear with me here. Uh, the spy who shagged me is actually kind of a raunchy title. It's just like wow. You, it's a it's it's a it's a good parody of the spy who loved me, uh, but spy who shagged me is like wait that's like a just a straight up sexual reference right here in this PG thirteen movie. Now I how it, yes, but also I did not know that when I was eight. Oh, I remember <laughs> being a kid and like thinking like wait, does that mean sex? Oh yeah, you can't put when that I was a time. kid, I was just like well, I guess Hollywood will just get away with anything these days. <laughs> I mean, I didn't understand what spits or swallows meant. Now, I, but I knew that shagged was something yeah. I shouldn't know about. I uh, I want to talk about the title. Is apparently it didn't translate uh, perfectly in a bunch of other countries. Some countries wanted to edit it. Uh, some of them made it uh, even sexier. Some of them made it far less sexy. For example, the Norwegian title is something I can't pronounce, but it's a slightly dirtier way of saying. 
saying, the spy who ejaculated on me. Uh, which As you I do. think I'd like to see. Same. And uh, <laughs> there's also the Singapore title. <laughs> the Singapore title is The Spy Who Shioked Me. And shioked means treated nicely. <laughs> so <laughs> That's nice. I respect that. <laughs> I want to see The Spy Who Treated Me Nicely. <laughs> Austin, danger powers. Is this guy bothering you? (laughs) Oh, we gotta get that book. We gotta get that book in the studio. Uh, So, here's the thing about the first movie. If you actually look at how much money it made, it was a box office success, but not like a superpower hit. It was just like... Yeah, you know, this is this is a decent enough. We'll, we'll make a sequel for it, you know. You know what could possibly go wrong? This is, it's fairly popular. You know, people seem to like it. A couple years pass. In 1999, in cinema, was really known for one thing. It was the anticipation for Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace. It was all that uh, anyone was talking. You about. mean American Pie? No, it was all that anyone was talking about. I remember it very, very well. It's all anyone was talking about in school. It's like, man. Are you ready for Star Wars Episode One? Like, yeah, I, guess. I don't remember any of this. I, I sure. do. I've got a fairly decent memory of this. I'm also a little bit older, I guess. So maybe that's why I remember it. But uh, <laughs> like a year older than me. Yeah, I'm, as the elder <laughs> of dick. this podcast, <laughs> I remember it. I uh, I remember it so clearly. In fact, I remember the trailer. Do you remember the trailer for the Spy Who Shagged Me? Because it starts off like it's a a trailer for Star Wars, and everyone's excited. Like. What? Austin Powers? What the fuck is this? I didn't even see the first one, but now I guess I kind of want to see it. They actually said, if you see one movie this summer, make sure it's Star Wars. But if you see two of them, make sure the other one's Austin Powers. And uh, I think that's one of like the main reasons that people ended up seeing The Spy Who Shagged Me. Because, Parker, if you could tell me about how much money uh, The Spy Who Shagged Me made. Approximately all of it. Three hundred million nineteen ninety nine U.S. dollars. Now, would you like... That to- is- Obscene. Would you like to compare this with how much money uh, International Man of Mystery made? God, wasn't it like sixty or something like? Yeah, barely yeah, like, something like that. Like it, it made money. Like, it was fine. It made yeah, exactly. It made money. It was like oh, it's good enough for a sequel, I guess. Three hundred million dollars. People, I don't think the studio was expecting that, and part of it was the marketing campaign, sort of tying it in with uh, Star Wars like that, was kind of a brilliant idea. And then you get the Star Wars text scroll for people like Parker to clap their hands like a seal. The groovy speak, folks. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh, okay, can we just get to the real meat of this? Can we talk about Rob Lowe's impression of Robert Wagner? I, oh I was gonna say, if you don't go immediately to Rob Lowe, then I am. That's the thing. Like, is I like, remember he was in it. It was. But, holy shit. I, that's the thing. Is like, as a kid, you take it for granted that they could just do stuff like this. But no, that, that was like a dead on balls accurate impression of Robert Wagner. That was so Perfect. good. It is absolutely perfect. Like, this movie is so fucking good. Yeah, I really liked it. Now, is it dumber than the first movie? Yes. but it's... Absolutely <laughs> one million percent stupider than the first movie. Yeah, there's a lot of scenes I I, I have to... I don't know if I can say, like, I hate that scene, but it's kind of like... Uh, I guess it's more of a groaner whenever you see, uh, like, the marketing, which you get a lot of... Uh, I, so, hard to disagree on the marketing, but also, there's two musical numbers that I could do without. I like the first piano one. I like the piano one because that's a it's an island of Doctor Moreau thing that I like. The rap. Dude, this movie's ninety minutes long, and there are two like full Doctor Evil. Yeah, but that's what stopped me from watching Goldmember because I remember like, oh, don't they have like a prison song? No, I'm not doing that. The the rap song, yeah, that rap song went a little. 
much for me. Like I, I, I remember, have like I two out of fun funk. memories of Goldmember. That intro, and then when he walks in on Doctor Evil in the fucking Hannibal Lecter prison. Yeah, that memory will always crack yeah. me up. Oh, actually, you know, speaking of visual gags, that the whole opening scene, which by the way. I kind of missed her in this movie. Yeah. Same. I like Heather I Graham. Mean, I yes, but always. Yes, yeah, so th- th- it's really hard to pick between the two of it, them. Because like, especially at that this specific period in time, like Jesus, what pulls for these I, two? I movies? remember when I was a kid, I liked Heather Graham a little bit more because she just seemed nicer. You know, there's something about her. It's, I, I don't know. I think she, she was just a little bit more into him at that point. So I, like, think, yeah, so I think nicer. that's part of the reason this works is because she's playing such a good straight man yeah. in this ridiculous movie. Yeah, whereas the other one is just like, oh, Austin. Whereas in this one, oh. she's like, all right, groovy Austin. Not even trying to do any sort of accent, so they just make her American, she- which I like. Did you guys know uh, Heather Graham's original role before this? Uh, it's kind of a kind of a sad story, but with a happy ending. Oh, I shouldn't use that word. Uh, oh, so she had trouble getting a role in Hollywood because it's Hollywood. Even if you look like Heather Graham, you're still going to have trouble getting roles in Hollywood because everyone looks like it there. Uh, so before she got accepted to this uh, movie, she was going to star in a porn. Uh, she was going to make a lesbian porn movie. And instead they were like, okay, now you can be the lead role in this one. And... Uh, she was really happy about it, and she went on to have a career in uh, more legitimate Lost movies, in Space. Oh, yeah, I forgot <laughs> she was in there. And I guess the Scooby-Doo movie, so... Uh, so, you know... I'm right. sure Brad's are still hard. Left, anyway. left fork, right uh, fork, yeah. you know, could go either way. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, tell you what, uh, very happy that she's in this, because I think she does a really good job. She's Like you said, she's a lot of fun in this, and she's a really good straight man. Uh, yeah, because she's like us. She's just super excited to see Austin Powers do Austin Powers. Yeah, things. And she she seems like a good partner with him. She's like, she seems like a really good. Uh, I don't know if you call her like a Bond girl or something like that, but she seems like a good partner in the situation. And she's also immediately coming on to him in a way that's like, I don't know if it's a male fantasy sort of thing, but it's just like she just seems like a likable person. Yeah, and like I I think like you know. Part of the re- like one of the big visual gags throughout these movies is that the char- like the character of Austin Powers is just so like on his face ugly and stupid looking. And like the fact that it's not played for a joke that she's like clearly actually extremely into him, I think makes this movie work so much better. Yeah, I agree. Like, In the first movie they sort it, of cuz it could yeah, it could so easily be just a gag, and it's not. And, like, you don't feel... Not that you would ever feel like Mike Myers is being taken advantage of in this movie where he plays fat bastard. Right. But you know what I mean when I say Yeah, that. yeah, I do. And in fact, in the first movie, they do really play up the whole thing. It's like, oh, look how awkward and bizarre looking he is. Especially the, the one scene that I actually never liked, even as a kid, was the scene with the fembots. Uh, I, I think that just kind of uh, annoyed me. I don't like that song, one the, the boots were made were walking thing. I think that just kind of annoyed me. And that scene where he has all the hair and he has that stupid looking underwear and everything. It's like, I get it. The joke is he's not sexy. You're just doing it over and over again. Whereas in this movie, they don't really do that joke, but everyone likes him. So you're starting to wonder, why would they like him if he looks so bizarre? And the reason is just he just has charisma, and charisma can take you a long way. False. The reason the reason is that all British people look like that. No, I think that's the joke they make in the first movie. It's just like, yeah, you could just have bad teeth back then. Everyone did it. Uh... Can we talk about the retcon with Vanessa for a second? It's so good. Because, like, that whole scene's great, but I think my favorite joke in all three movies we knew is the after the opening. <laughs> he just looks yeah. at him like, oh, yes, we knew all along, sadly. And he just looks at him for a second like 
what? And then they immediately brush past it and just never <laughs> mentioned it. Getting, like, like, getting that and then, like, less than five minutes later, getting the Austin asking Basil the question about time travel and being like, no, 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 don't worry about it. And then they break the fourth wall to also tell the audience not to worry about it. Apparently like, that was an improv. It's so fucking <laughs> yeah. Weird. Because it's all of the things that would trip you up with any other movie. And they're just like, no, no, no. Here's our explanation. It's as stupid as you want it to be. We're moving on. Which totally like, works, you. too. I appreciate it. It was like, I mean, that, that would, uh, that's probably like a scientific thing that comes up in a James Bond movie. Probably two of them. Uh, but uh, I guess we could talk about Mini-Me now at long last. Uh, probably so the best earnest. character just... in all of these. Can we, oh, before we, before we get to Mini-Me, can we talk about how funny that fucking Jerry Springer scene is? And also how <laughs> incredibly poorly it aged? Oh my god. Yes. Like, oh yes. The second it showed him in the control room, my my brain just like went into whiplash. I'm like, oh my god, that's right. And then he picks like, up the remote. Oh my. I just I I remember I remember Doctor Evil fighting that KKK guy and stealing his mask. But like, <laughs> man, could you imagine showing this to somebody who's like four years younger than us and just has no idea who Jerry Springer I, is? I don't think you could. Do hey, is that Steve Wilkos back there? I love that dude. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it, uh, hold up, that guy has a Nazi th- patch on his uh, jacket. What are we doing here? Uh-oh. Canceled. Canceled. And not a it's single the milk problematic. Yeah. <laughs> if they remade this movie. It would just be Richard Spencer. <laughs> <laughs> oh right. Oh, they would actually cast him in the movie too. Oh boy, Richard Spencer doing that looks like a dick. <laughs> Forty people. Themed. I have to admit. Okay, one of the jokes about Mini Me that I like so much. I have to reference a joke from the first movie. There are a lot of jokes from the first movie we didn't talk about. I think one of my favorite jokes is Scott says something that pisses off Doctor Evil, and so he reaches over to press the button to kill Scott. <laughs> and, the, and the and this white well the is whatever frau whatever i don't remember her name uh frau frau hits his hand with that thing to slap it away i like the way that he just silently goes over to like press it and just like oh, okay. the, the, whenever she pulls out the fucking squirt bottle oh my God. <laughs> every fucking In time fucking that gag tears. works i think that's one of my favorite things is when mini me is introduced and scott says something like kind of mean about it and he stands up and jumps on the table and immediately goes over to press the button to kill scott <laughs> which by the way i would do something with that button Put that in the cabinet. Uh, but yeah, then squirts him like he's a bad cat or something like that. <laughs> he gives a lot of middle fingers. Trying to get that cat off the table. It's uh, I, I like liked the, him so much in this. I have the same thoughts I did about the first one where like I appreciate all of the side characters so much. Like in that first scene, <laughs> when he goes back in time and they're in the Starbucks, <laughs> that whole time there's just a barista standing there looking at Mini-Me like, fuck is this <laughs> <laughs> like the raw blows a good bit but them going back in time and just having frau be the exact same person color mini sterling i think it's a little bit easier uh i quick gags like that really good yeah that, that was really really good he's just like oh <laughs> uh right. I, I think one of my favorite things about bird troyer in this is that I mean, yeah, they make a lot of, like, oh, he's little jokes. But that's not why he's funny to look at. He's funny to look at because the face that he's doing is just a good, solid expression that's so funny in contrast to everything that's happening. It just looks like this is a normal thing that's going on. It's a, it's a really good portrayal of that. It's a really good parody of that scene in uh, The Island of Dr. Moreau. It's, blue, man, blue, 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 blue. These blue, blue. last couple weeks have done a lot to my I brain. Fucking yeah. Damn it. <laughs> 
Just started fiddling away when he yeah. saw that. Speaking of that musical number, the second they started the piano, I was like, oh my god. I know every single word, and I almost forgot my sister's <laughs> birthday last year. Like, my brain is fucking pudding. That being said, I, in defense of the rap scene, I think it's well written. I think it is somewhat well performed. I think it is entirely unnecessary. Uh, 1999 was a different time. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's, we didn't need it, but it's in there. I have not seen this movie in almost 20 years, and I remember that whole fucking there's song. A, there's a lot yeah. of lines in there that became sort of like... I don't know what the word is, but they almost became like part of like the teen lexicon or whatever. Um, you know, in the same way that like the Chappelle show lines were like the things that were constantly quoted, you know, like the Rick James sketches and stuff. Uh, I think a lot of them was uh, the Zip It one. Oh yeah. my boy, that, was, that scene. Yep. Yeah. Not so good. Right. Now. It doesn't hold up at all, but part of the reason it doesn't hold up is because everyone was doing it, you know? Every single Dr. Evil line in this movie ended up being quoted. For like seven straight years. Yeah. Uh, Correct. <laughs> but I it makes you long for the days when memes lasted longer than a week. Which is a shame because it's not all good words. He never, they, no one ever seemed to quote about him shaving his testicles, which, by the way, actually does feel <laughs> Ritualistically shaved my testicles. I, one of the most underrated lies is he talks about, like, when at the age of 10 years old, I got my first scribe. This <laughs> is just the phrase penchant for buggery is the funniest combination of words I've ever heard. I don't I don't know why. I think that was he claimed that he invented the question mark. Uh who is he accused walnuts of being lazy? <laughs> you know, the usual thing. Uh, uh yeah, there's a there's a couple moments in uh, the first oh, one that don't work very well, like the nutshell thing. Didn't like very much, but I will yeah, say as a really really bad week for nuts. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but uh, the at seven year old me definitely liked the scene where he's going behind the couch. Those gags cracked me up because that's the first time I'd ever seen anything like that. I forgot I forgot about the canoe thing. How does he move so smoothly? Uh, it's it's because he's a hockey tower. He must be skating. <laughs> um, but. Let's get on the fat bastard, who I don't think I liked as much as everyone else did. When I was a little kid, I really liked it, because he's just called Fat Bastard. Something about the name really gets me. It really works. Yeah, uh, I have to admit. Just that he's introduced, like, it's not a punchline. He's just deadpan introduced, like, this is Fat Bastard. Yeah. <laughs> this is my assassin. I have to admit, when he starts doing the Chili song, that was, uh, that was a bit much for me. Incredible. It sucks, Correct. but also... It's we did... Uh, when I was on the Something wrestling team it. in high school, there was a... Yeah, at one point he mentions, I ate a baby! Uh, which, you know, a lot of people did. And uh, I, Correct. I just remember, there was, there was a moment in uh, wrestling practice, I'll never forget this, uh... Where we were all stretching around before practice even started, and some, I think it was Roger, Roger cracked off an inhuman fart. Like, I'm pretty sure this would have doubled. It's like a squatch call, right? It was so <laughs> loud. Rich, I was like, oh, dude, what the fuck? And the last thing that we heard before Coach told us all to shut the fuck up and get back to stretching was Corey Wine said, did you eat a baby? And we're just like, that. that's what shut us up, because we're just kind of like looking at Corey like, what? And which, so the rest of the practice, like, did you eat a baby? It was the only thing we could talk about for the rest of the fucking season. <laughs> did you eat 
A baby. <laughs> I'll tell you what, Dr. Evil. You can keep your money. Give me that baby. If I can take your baby. Actually, one of my favorite scenes is, I think it was uh, Scott and, and uh, Mini-Me were fighting, and it's cutting back and forth between like Austin Powers and, and Dr. Evil. At one point, it cuts to... Uh, to the fat bastard said, "Get the baby." <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's not on camera. He just yells it from the back. <laughs> the fact, the fact that every scene he's in, just like the longer he's in the scene, the more drool appears on his chin, is so fucking he's, good. He's so moist. He just wants, he just wants to drizzle that baby in queso. <laughs> oh God, Sam. Oh, Speaking baby. of, I have to say my favorite fat bastard scene, perhaps in the entire movie, is the sex scene because. There is same, but the opposite. <laughs> oh, you the know, most vile thing I've ever is. seen. But, okay, so the first time you see him, you're just like, oh, it's so disgusting. Look, he's so fat and everything. They reel over. Oh, she's going to stick the thing in his butt. It's when he rolls over on top of her. That's what made me laugh because you see more of him than you ever want to see. It's just like, I don't know why that really made me laugh. Like I said, I've seen this at least 50 times. But that was on a VHS recorded off of HBO, not in HD. And oh. I... Will never recover. I watched from this what on seen. Netflix on my big sixty-inch TV. So, buddy, same. I got to see. It was so unfortunate. I was looking for the crease. <laughs> see how good the suit apparently, is. Apparently, turns out very. Yeah, apparently, uh, it took him four hours to get into that fucking thing. So. That's a lot of dedication just to be able to do yeah. your Scottish accent again. <laughs> he, they really just couldn't go and the easy option just get Marlon Brando, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> to be fair, they wanted to keep this movie under ninety yeah. minutes. He would have actually eaten the baby. <laughs> oh my god! It's for research purposes. Got some fucking barbecue sauce on there. <laughs> Spicy Kansas City. Shout out to Big Red. God, could you imagine Marlon Brando doing a Chili's commercial though? <laughs> oh, rich, full-bodied rib. <laughs> Jalapeno poppers. <laughs> I'll just do the wrong voice entirely. Uh, <laughs> doesn't matter. It really doesn't. You just have to yell. So I'm a big, <laughs> so I'm a big fan of the musical choices in this movie. There's a lot of dad rock for me. That made me very happy. And only one Burt Bacharach song. This time sung I... by Elvis Costello. First of all, incredible flex to just have that as a scene. And second of all... The fact that the only two movies that I can remember Magic Carpet Ride being in are this and Team America makes me feel very strongly about uh, that song. <laughs> it was in Reservoir Dogs. Oh, it was a cover of it in Reservoir Dogs, I think. Right. Yeah. They couldn't afford that. Are yeah. you kidding me? They, they could afford a lot of other ones. Uh, Quentin Tarantino spends a lot of money on music. Uh, yeah, he spent 20% of the budget on Stuck in the Middle with you. That's how I know they don't have any other songs. Right. But it was a pretty good cover of uh, Magic Carpet Ride. In fact, I think it's a little bit better than the original. Uh, we're not talking about that movie. Uh, Spy Who Shagged Me. Uh, like you said, it, it's I don't know that I call it a real movie, so to speak, because what is the uh, what is absolutely not what a real is the movie. main struggle for the main character? He lost his mojo. <laughs> uh, Man, that that scene with him flirting with the chess pieces and choking on it really <laughs> still gets me. It doesn't turn out. I gotta admit, I. <laughs> So when I was a kid, I didn't really think this. I didn't think this was a possibility back in 1999. But as an adult, I kept thinking, "It was like, wow, she is very mannish." I'm really thinking that uh, uh, mannish. I'm really thinking that she's going to have a fake birder account. Uh, I 
I kind of thought they would be like one of those things, oh, she's an East German weightlifter woman sort of thing. I thought they were going to go for a joke like that because I would have been prime material in 1999. But uh, they don't do that. So, uh, you know what the joke they use way too much in the second movie? A rare case of restraint. Yeah. Uh, Most of them. No, it's a a photography (laughs) one. Yeah, what that... is the joke here? Because the fact that he goes, yes, it once. yes, yes, no, no. I don't know why that's... Huh. You can do that like once, and it's cool. Yeah, I don't that's... even know why that's like the... I mean, mid... it's, it's a callback. It's I fun. guess, but it's like the mid credit sequence of the first movie. And even then, I don't know why it's there. So, I don't know. I, I would I would have cut those scenes. I assume that's a reference to something I haven't seen. Yeah. Uh, that's how I... I think it's a reference... What was that movie? I saw it with the other Alex uh, a while ago. Um, it's not Blow... It's not Blow Out. It's Blow Up. Um, it's not as good as Blow Out. Sorry. I don't even know why I brought it up. hate to see I'm it. Sorry. So any final thoughts on this Yeah, I assume most <laughs> of this movie is references I don't get. Because as a child in 1999, wasn't intimately familiar with things like laughing. <laughs> I did not understand, like, oh, yeah, they're on a yellow submarine. Oh, I did yeah. not register with I, me as a child. Just, dude, like, just the entire climax of this movie just being Moonraker is yeah. my favorite fucking <laughs> yeah. thing. I mean, I don't know how long it's been since you guys have seen Moonraker, That's been a if while. you've seen it at all. No, I've seen Moonraker. Next week's episode? Ignoring the fact that Moonraker is absolutely episode-worthy, like... The fact that they would go for they, that, I to can take, see why they did it. To, yeah, the, the fact that the, you take this, like, Bond movie that, like, I'm not going to say is reviled, but it's, like, basically reviled. More like, as no much as one likes Moonraker. Yeah, it's usually and for that to be your movie. Like, it's like, what if that was the last 45 minutes of our movie? <laughs> I, I can see why they did it. I think there's a there was a point in time in which people would seek out bad movies in particular what's the worst james bond movie moonraker is usually one of the ones they mention i think they often mention octopus for some reason it's one of the worst Um, like like look moonraker sucks ass like there there are so many like side gags and shit in that movie but also there's a fucking scene in venice where they have a gondola chase and then like the the gondola is about to crash onto land and wheels just come out of the bottom and it turns into a car so like you know you take the good with the bad. Yeah. Uh, speaking of James Bond, I almost got... We didn't have enough time, but I almost got Michelle to watch Never Too Young to Die. Keep going. You gotta make it happen. <laughs> I'm Ragnar! Uh, she, she's really bad with celebrity names. So was, she plays a bass uh, professionally. She's a very good musician. And I was like, oh, it starts a very famous bassist. And she's like, Who? Gene Simmons, she's like, isn't he that workout guy who dances around a lot? I'm like, no, that's what the fuck? Richard Simmons. Maybe, maybe we should watch close it. at least. You got one name, so we watched the. I forgot his name is Ragnar. Yeah. <laughs> How could you forget? He shrieks at the. Okay, let's get back to Spy Who Shagged Me. I've watched a lot of garbage between them now. So the thing about the Spy Who Shagged Me is, if if you're gonna decide which movie is better, the first or the second, I think it's pretty close, even though they are pretty different movies. But I think I would have to give the edge to the second movie, not just because of Mini-Me, but A, there's a lot more Seth Green, which I'm always going to like. Uh, Heather Graham, I just, I like her a little bit more uh, than the lead actress in the first movie. I think uh, the opening imagery, they, they play that theme song with some dick imagery, which I that is going to make me laugh every single time. And you get the silhouette scene in the second movie. I know the first one's a lot harder. Trust me, I'll be remembering it for a while. But... The silhouette scene of this one, she's pulling stuff out of his ass. That cracks me up every single time. 
I that was uh seeing that the first time in theaters as a kid, like struggling to breathe, laughing so hard <laughs> moment. Yeah, I'll Could thank not. you not to open that up inside. <laughs> like this movie, like has iconic quotes, like thirty of them. But the scenes that made me laugh the most this time are easily when the Doctor Evil's going over the plane with the Death Star, and he just starts bouncing the globe and bouncing it off Rob Lowe's face until he starts crying. And then uh, her using her tits as a distraction for the guy to yell, "Mommy!" and then just walk face first into lava. I forgot about so that. So fucking funny to me. Uh, he really has also the strong speed. runner up is when Minnie Me bites his dick, and the the thud it makes is he flings him into that metal pipe. <laughs> it's just, I love how bad like the Minnie Me puppet looks in that scene. Yeah. It like makes it so much better. <laughs> It's the same sound that the bedpan makes on Vince McMahon's head. It's the loudest <laughs> ping. He just throws this doll into a pipe. Oh, shit. That was God, so good. Fucking him bouncing that giant globe. <laughs> talking shit until Rob Lowe starts crying. Absolutely murdered me. Because that is a one joke I did not remember at all. <laughs> you know, that scene where he bounces the uh, globe, that's actually a reference to a 1940 Charlie Chaplin movie. One of his early talkies. It's called The Great Dictator. And So next week's episode. <laughs> uh, it's actually one of my favorite Chaplin movies. But anyway. Uh, Chaplin to... How great is this dictator, Chris? <laughs> oh, he's pretty great. It's a Hitler parody. So one of the... We've uh, come to learn that. The I have to admit, one of my... Problematic. One of my favorite things about this movie is the absence of certain things i'm really happy there wasn't fook me and fook you oh man yeah there's yeah that's something i didn't need to remember when when he first goes back in time and it's like he's in his club i was like oh fuck is this a movie with that show yeah i was thinking that you know speaking of that club one of the things that they sort of I guess they reinvigorated this movie with this was a lot more 60s shit. Like, obviously, it takes place in the 60s, but I think whoever was making this movie was like, okay, what made the first movie work? I think, like, those, you know, like, those little interstitials with fucking Austin Powers dancing around? I love the interstitials with all my heart. For some reason, I I laugh so hard about it. It's like, I keep thinking to myself, we should take that and use it as, like, a scene transition in our Bigfoot movie. (laughs) <laughs> Bigfoot dancing around in a cage. He he can be in there if he wants. I was thinking Austin Powers. <laughs> Him in the lotus position with all four of the Beatles just smoking pipes. Well, that was incredibly good. Day sixteen, the darkest day so far. Alex has gone missing. The crew is now down to five. <laughs> Look, the thing is like. The first one of these movies, as we've said, is trying much harder to be a real movie and succeeding in a lot of ways. But also, the second movie has the following entry on the IMDb page in terms of movies that have referenced it. Kangaroo Jack. Kangaroo Jack does a Dr. Evil impression and says, I shall call him Mini-Roo. Fuck, so man. who's the real winner here? Oh. You know, the second movie got nominated for an Oscar. As it should Yeah, have. best makeup. <laughs> I believe yeah. it. For Fat yeah, Bastard, was, yes. Yeah. I want to briefly touch on, I enjoyed the commitment to the scene where Dr. Evil and Frau just bang it out. Because it does the cutaway shot of the island with the eyes closing on the base, which, chef's kiss, is perfect. <laughs> but then it goes back in anyways. 
<laughs> you get more of it with his nips poking through his shirt. Oh, <laughs> is it cold in here? <laughs> I have to admit, yes. one of my favorite scenes. I don't remember if it's the first or second. Doesn't matter. Uh, where they change the the TV screen and it's Beavis and Butthead. Hey, check it out. This chick has three boobs. <laughs> Whoa, how many butts does she have? <laughs> <laughs> also, big shout out to. Are you suggesting we blow the moon? Did you miss it? Would you miss it? Which is a thought I've had many times in my life. Like, hey, you know what? Fuck the moon. Who gives a shit? Tide goes in, tide goes out. I can't explain that. <laughs> Friend of the show. Shut those fakers up. <laughs> Focus on the real issue. Find and squatch. Uh, so okay let's get to the dick jokes those are so funny i laughed so hard that was like the funniest scene in the movie when i was a kid uh oh my yeah as the a, cameos really yeah suck. the cameos definitely help like, a lot really oh they got willie nelson for this uh <laughs> get woody harrelson yeah, it looks just like someone's private <laughs> woody harrelson i don't know what he was shooting at the time but i want the oral history of that five second scene more than anything so you know how you can like buy like used outfits from movie scenes and people spend like five thousand dollars on this like sweat covered gym sock or something somewhere can we get his dashiki it's because i had to pause it and i'm like wait a second because <laughs> as a kid I'm like who the fuck's woody here uh, is that a real person I just, his name's woody i guess that's the joke but like seeing it now he's dressed like L- so many questions he's dressed like ll cool j at the beginning of uh <laughs> the beginning of charlie's angels oh my god oh my god <laughs> it's the exact same thing maybe they were just like passing the outfit back and forth like the sisterhood of traveling pants I don't know why oh, I said shit. that. <laughs> I'm happy you did. Oh, man. <laughs> anyway. 90... Also, the best thing about both movies, tight 90 yeah, minutes. Yeah, it's... Like, uh, second oh, one could yeah, be tighter right. again. Cut out the rap scene. We don't need that. But keep Operation Wing Chun. Oh, yeah. Mini-Me's Little Bike Minnie's little bike horn that was made me so laugh funny. uncomfortably loud. Like, oh my god! If I'm gonna just say it right now, if I if I was a midget, I'd have one of those little bike horn and everything. Oh god! Bless. Get Peter Dinklage one of those. So, <laughs> final thought here on the spy who shagged me. Um, I want to sort of compare it to like other Mike Myers movies because there was a there was a kind of a period where Mike Myers was sort of on top of the world. Like, he killed it in Wayne's World, and he had a big hit with Austin Powers. Then Shrek comes out. You know, Shrek has his own star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. He's uh, Shrek is drunk. I agree. Huh? I think Shrek sucks, <laughs> but it's like, Shrek was huge at the time. And uh, then the cat in the hat came out. And then the love guru had a penchant for buggery. Uh, there... <laughs> fucking funny joke. then he sort of like I'm gonna watch this he sort of just like he was like you know I'm just gonna not act anymore he took some like back roles he has a supporting role obviously in Inglorious Bastards uh, man I will never forget just leaning forward like is that fucking Austin Powers yeah yeah that's <laughs> yeah I uh, I have a feeling in like the lot of movies and ones where he just sort of like started beefing it as a performer there's something about it where it's like a you can clearly tell when he doesn't want to be in the movie and cat in the hat is a really good example of that i think love guru is also a good example of that i kind of feel like love guru is like 
they were trying to make another Austin Powers. They're trying to like recapture that magic, and it can't quite do that. And it's sort of tough to explain why. I think the reason that the Austin Powers movies work is it's not just a parody. You know, it's not just doing like the oh he looks like Blofeld. You know, is oh it's number two. He's got the thing. He's a spy who sleeps with women. Because there's more to it than that. Because otherwise, the jokes, some of those jokes aren't even good at all. Like the like we explained, Scott. No, I'm going to put him in an easily escapable device. It's like that's the way the Tumblr girls talk. You know, it's too obvious with things. So they just do other jokes that are really, really funny, and those sort of add up. You have to have a competent writing staff. Are the jokes stupid? Yeah, sure, but at least they're jokes. Whereas the Love Guru doesn't have any of those. You know, and uh, anyway, that's again a talk about. The Love Guru. The Love Guru originally being an Austin Powers character is a revelation that blew my mind and also made total sense. Yeah. And then again, there's also the Cat in the Hat, which was never really going to be uh, like an Austin Powers as sort of movie. But if you're going to cast Mike Myers in there, we're going to expect Mike Myers sort of comedy. And I mean, he's sort of restrained by that outfit, which was made out of what material was that? Was that velvet or uh, was it leather? Or... There. <laughs> Zoom in here, Chris. <laughs> you know what it was, and you asked me to say it yeah, again. Yeah, I did. Oh, man. That movie sucks. Anyway. Yeah. yeah anyway. I know that. Anyway. Uh, okay, I'll just say what we're all thinking, just address the elephant in the room. What if there was a mini Bigfoot? Wouldn't they, wait, would they just call him Foot? I was going to say regular no, Foot. No, regular <laughs> Foot. <laughs> Uh, regular foot for regular people like me. All right. Well, uh, the NFL season's over. We don't really have to do the game of games. So uh, I have yeah. nothing coming out next week. Yeah, you week. sure about yeah, that, buddy? I don't know what could be coming out. Well, I mean, I don't know. I fell asleep in the in the start of the fourth quarter. I thought you had a big win, yeah, Chris. Yeah, me too. Well, Congratulations. Anyway, the XFL's also coming out. I can't wait for my Boston Bomber. I mean, uh, Serpents or whatever. So, oh, jeez. Yeah, uh, Chris been canceled. We this should just stop the podcast city. right now because I'm canceled. I've got a lot of editing to do and uh, stuff. But like yeah, so. well, you know, maybe you can get started on that after uh, Parker assigns you something for the Super Bowl, uh, buddy. Poss- potentially multiple. The good things. news is, is I've, I've, it's the big game. Yeah, I've assi- oh, I hate big things. <laughs> you and me both, buddy. <laughs> Chris, there is a movie that came out very recently no. that I am horrified to watch (laughs) and that means you have to be my guinea pig because you and i both feel very similar things about this director and these characters so chris you are going (laughs) to join my good friends jay and silent bob as they're rebooted (laughs) because honest to god like i have this deep curiosity but Uh, it feels unwatchable i i need you to report back for me to the internet. Did it get a did it get a theater release? Sort of. Oh, that that Don't worry, well. buddy. You can join me at my local Redbox. I, <laughs> the curse I, continues. I can't believe that Chris has managed to dodge the bullet of the Aaron Hernandez Netflix series for another week. Why is it a bullet? <laughs> I kind of want to see that. I heard uh, mixed things. Oh, good. Save us the assignment. Then. Yeah, I don't really. <laughs> I have to admit, I don't really care. Like, I legitimately do not know anything about this yeah. movie. I just... Well, here's one for like, you. I said there's that deep, deep curiosity. If it's, but if I it's okay for me to read the cast for you, 
Kevin Smith stars as Silent Bob, Jason Mewes as Jay, that's where you get the title, and Harley Quinn Smith as Miller. Hell yeah, dude. Like, there is a part of me that will soy face and clap when I see some of these people come back, because, like, I haven't watched any of these movies since I was a teenager, but I enjoyed them a lot as a teenager. Uh, I do not plan on ever rewatching Dogma. I'm just going to remember liking it as, like, a 15-year-old, and that will be that. Please do not assign it to me. And that's the tea, sis. 